Hi, everybody. It's Paul. Thanks for joining me on this edition of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. What gives you hope? Hope is a really important thing. A quote I always love is that hope is a commodity in an economy. If people are hopeful, they're going to buy, they're going to hire. Money's going to move and economies are going to turn. If hope starts to go away, people start to hoard a little more and take care of their basic needs and, and save up just in case they're not going to meet their basic needs and an economy starts to slow down. So hope is actually the fuel and the lubricant, the oil that keeps an economy turning forward. But what do you do when what you hope for doesn't come? The Bible has a passage that says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. That means if you hope for something long enough and don't see it fulfilled, you start to get a little hardened in that hope or discouragement or even depression can start to set in. One of the things I've always hoped in is the ideal of America. And no matter what we were going through, I knew we're all Americans and we'll figure this out together and our systems will hold through it. But maybe you're like me and you're watching the events of Kenosha and the response of people to the young man, the 17-year-old, taking an AR-15 across straight state lines and ended up shooting two people, killing one. You see the response of what's happening in our cities like Portland, the president's response to it, and the division of one side saying riots by thugs and the other side saying peaceful protests being disrupted by people that want to cause trouble. You start to ask, are we still one people? We seem to be coming from totally separate places. To me, it's a time of transition. Our culture is changing and we're seeing a part of our culture say, hell no, we won't change. And when that happens, you're going to have generations butting up against each other. And I think we're seeing a lot of that today, a generation that says, hell no, we won't change. And so then they want law and order. They want to tamp down anybody that speaks about change. And then another side that says, I'm so frustrated at you tamping down my change. I'm going to get ugly about it. This happens in our relationships and it happens in cultures. It's a season of transition and it's hard. And I've had hope that we would figure out how to get through it together and now I'm starting to wonder, it, it may take a full generation of shift. And by shift, I mean one generation passing away and another stepping into its leadership role before these things can get resolved. My hope in our ability to figure this out together now is getting pretty low. But that doesn't mean I don't have peace. And that doesn't mean I'm hopeless. My wife and I like to sit down on Saturday mornings and process things through over coffee. We call it Saturday morning coffee with Paul and Ashley. And that's what you're going to hear now on today's nonpartisan evangelical podcast. Love to hear your thoughts. Hope you enjoy it. Stick around. In the middle of the show, I'll tell you about a little reward you can have if you join our support group, the nonpartisan evangelical Patreon community. But for now, here's Paul and Ashley having coffee on a Saturday morning 
on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb. And calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right. Good morning. Here we are, Saturday morning. Yeah. And we're a little bit late getting on the air. Yeah, a little bit. That was not my fault this morning. <laughs> it was mine. It was because you were talking to people from across the country. Yeah. Uh, sometimes on Saturday mornings before we hit Facebook Live, um, uh, we have a, a nonpartisan evangelical Patreon group uh, where people subscribe. And so I do some live things with them. And uh, so, yeah, we had a little conversation. I had a little conversation with our Patreon gang this morning. So that's why I'm a little late, because we were having a great conversation together. So good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday. Thanks for uh, for flipping your phone on or your device and hanging out with us for just a few minutes. Um, even though we're not in person, just seeing the names pop up on the phone makes me feel like we're actually hanging out together this yeah. morning. So uh, that's fun. So Anisha saying good morning. So good morning to Anisha. That's right. And um, in case you don't know, if you've not seen this guy before, this is Pudgy the Podcasting Dog. <laughs> uh, so he's our pound puppy and he does whatever he pleases. So if Kind of runs the house. I'm actually sitting in his chair right now. Yeah. He's, <laughs> during he's the not day. happy about that. Yeah. So he's letting me know that um, I'm in his spot. So he, he comes and goes. He, he, he wants to be a part of this conversation apparently this morning. Yeah, and I sit here in my quiet time in the morning and eat breakfast, and he sits in that chair and gets fed. Yeah. And we open these blinds, and that's his TV. He sits and watches the world go by out there. And so, um, you know, Paul and I have one son. We have a daughter and a son, and our daughter is our, our musical theater vocal performance major at Pepperdine, and so um, she never had any interest in sports. Of course, we have a son who is 16, almost 17, and he loves baseball, a huge baseball player, so Paul has had you know, 17 years to teach his son how to catch and throw the ball. Um, and apparently you still have like the dad gene of yeah. teaching whatever is in front of you to try to catch something. <laughs> and so this dog cannot catch food. And so Paul said every single morning he throws like a bit of egg or something at him and it just like bounces off his head. And he's a total disgrace to the, the swear engine sports. the only dog ever in my life that can't catch food. It's incredible to me. He has no instincts around it. He's just like, <laughs> anyway. You just throw it and he's like, whatever. What, what, yeah. was, what was that? Yeah. It just went by. Okay. Well, enough about that. So, um, this is the kind of content you get on a Saturday morning. Exactly. With us. We're just letting our hair down. Um, so, this is the nonpartisan evangelical. Paul is the nonpartisan evangelical. I'm his wife, Ashley. And uh, 
We love to hang out together. We love to visit with many of you on this thread and um, and just talk about what's going on in society and in culture today, whether we're talking about broadly our nation, the nation's politics, and how um, evangelicalism and religion is really infecting and affecting um, the way society thinks about God. And um, so we're, we're just like... Infecting, real, that's an interesting infecting word. Infecting and affecting. Yeah. And so we just kind of want to take that apart together, and we together want to put on display what we understand to be God's heart for people. And so that's what we do on Saturday mornings. Plus, you can follow Paul throughout the week. Go to npepodcast.com, sign up for his email insiders list, subscribe to the podcast. And, um, you know, if you ever just want to, like, be entertained and watching um, Paul, like, do duke it out, I guess, with um, with religious people who are very upset that we dare suggest that Jesus may not, may not be a Republican. Like, you know, uh, if you ever want to just, like, engage and watch some people go at um, Paul on that topic, follow him. Because it's very entertaining and painful, actually. Entertaining for some, not so entertaining for others. <laughs> right. Maybe, I, yeah. Not so entertaining is... I don't know. Maybe some people are entertained by being pissed off. And so maybe they do find it entertaining. I think so. I think it's like a whole industry, like indignation, the indignation industry. Right. So you provoke, you provoke people with what you're putting out there. What did Stu Stevens call it? The outrage, he called the Republican Party, the party of outrage. Uh, And like, you know, the, 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 what is it? The grieved white man. The grieved the, white party, yeah. gr- grieved white person yeah. party or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so here we are and there you are. And, um, we just wanted to you know, talk this morning. I was, um, just chatting with Paul last night. We went on a, on a walk because finally, well, by the way, we live in Fresno, California. So we're right in the middle of the state. It's like a great big geographic bowl in the middle of California. And so everything kind of flows in air quality wise and just sits in this huge valley that is the San Joaquin Valley. So as you know, probably from following the news or if you live in California, the state's been on fire um, on the coast, Northern California, just everywhere. And um, all the smoke comes here. So Anyway, we couldn't walk all last week. It was like, I couldn't hardly even go to the mailbox yeah. without getting a headache. Finally, the air has cleared up a little bit. So we went for a walk last night. Thank goodness. And yeah. plus it's been about 162 degrees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last week was 108 to 111 every single every day. Every day, yeah. Plus smoke. So plus it's smoke. been Ish. very nasty. Yeah. So anyway, so we go on a walk last night. I ask what I think is a really innocent question. I say to Paul, I say to my husband, so where, where are you finding hope this week? What, what's, what's your source of hope this week? And you say, I don't have any hope this week. <laughs> yes. And I went, oh, that's pleasant. I've, I've lost my, some of my ability to have hope this week. Yeah. Yeah. So that led to like a really interesting conversation. I think as you are just characteristically a bringer of hope and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very buoyed by that. And so at first I was maybe thrashing a little bit from the idea of like, well, my husband is not finding hope this week. And then as we talked about it, I came to appreciate um, that, that, that that was okay. You know, yeah. that, that you were grieving some really important things that, that, I don't know, that really should make us sad. So yeah. maybe say more about that. So I, I don't, I guess I would say I don't have hope, but I have peace. Um, and I think where... I struggle to have hope right now is I see so many people that 
have been trapped into this mindset of I have to be from this extreme position. And in the white evangelical church, it is an extreme right wing position that that we not only feel like it's it's the ideological choice, but it is the only logical choice and the only godly choice. And so because of it, the response of people to somebody like me that says, no, I actually think God may look at this a different way is not like, oh, that's an interesting opinion that I disagree with. No, it is, you know, literally I had a friend saying, I don't think you're worshiping Jesus anymore. Um, Or he said, you're worshiping a different Jesus than I am, to which I probably should have responded like, yes, I actually think I am worshiping a different Jesus than you are. Um, because I think there's one that's been created by humanity. Like American that is, Jesus. That is a, a white, blue-eyed American Jesus that's really not the actual Jesus. And so, yeah, so I, I, my, my ability to hope for our culture that, that this can sort of be changed and have a breakthrough, that is starting to go away a little bit. Um, and particularly, it just feels like it's ratcheted up. The, the whole spirit of it has ratcheted up in the last few weeks. And maybe it's the election or maybe it's spiritually. That's kind of what's supposed to happen, that humanity goes to the conclusions of those things. But I, but I, I, but I have peace that this is kind of what humanity sort of has to draw towards. And if we put it into biblical spiritual terms, that it's, it's God's mercy to let us come to the conclusion of our heart desire so we can see what, what that conclusion looks like. And, and in his mercy, he'll draw us to repentance from that. So I think a season of repentance is coming. But as I've seen in the Bible, that season of repentance is usually preceded by pretty calamitous times. And so, so I feel like, yeah, this is great. God's going to get our attention and by his mercy kind of draw us to a change of this mindset. But history shows us and the Bible shows us that sometimes those are pretty turbulent times to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you do you want to say a little bit more, maybe make it a little more concrete in terms of what you're seeing, um, what you're assessing, just social media, whatever you're you're consuming that's causing you to feel like, um, wow, you know, there's really there's really some pretty dark stuff that's that's coming forward. Can you be more specific about that? You mean like particular sort of conversations on Facebook and topics? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. You know, obviously, what's going on in places like Kenosha, Wisconsin, are, are drawing a lot of emotion. And, and, and are issues that, that we can talk about deeply. I, I don't think that God is in favor of riots and, and burning businesses. But, but I think what the Bible shows us is that in stories like the woman caught in adultery, that Jesus would say in a situation like that, like, yes, what the woman did is wrong, but I'm way more concerned about the system you guys have put into place that drove her to that place. Like your, your religious, cultural, governmental system has provided the environment where she has no other choice than to, than to do this to live. And he would say, I'm way more concerned about the system you've put together than I am concerned about her action. And so when I look at something like Kenosha, uh, both theologically and just logically, I look at it and say, man, there's an underlying issue that's being expressed from right now and not completely in a healthy manner. But let's go after the systemic change to make sure that we don't continue to perpetuate a system that 
that erupts at various times in our history. Again, it's like this sore in our cultural history that we put a Band-Aid on and we say, okay, now we're okay, but it's going to get infected again and erupt. And so we're just in another time of infection. What happened in the 60s was the good people of culture said, come on, more law and order. Let's get more law and order. Let's shut down these hippies and these crazy people and these Black Panthers so that we can just get back to the normal that we all love. And history has shown that was a very poor position to come from. And it feels like today we're going through the same thing, that once again, people are like, can we just... And so one of the things that I... that that was said on my page this week was about the young man, the 17 year old that shot somebody, somebody on my page said, I wish he had shot more people, Mm -hmm. more people deserve to die. And I just thought, Oh my God, that's a horrifying sentiment. Even if you feel the young man was totally justified in the shooting to not be horrified that one human being killed another so publicly and graphically, but then to say, I wish he had killed more and not be able to see like, wow, where is that coming from inside of me? And this being a person that I know has great faith, it just makes me say, wow, this this mindset, this spirit, this spiritual condition in the evangelical church is, is so prevalent and has so much influence over how people respond to things that we're really seeing some ugly, dark stuff come up. And, and it's actually what we've seen in the history of our country and of Western civilization, but also all throughout the Bible. So it's not actually unique or or stunning to God, but but it's still stunning to me every yeah. time it sort of pops itself up. Okay, so that's a good example of why you would be like all of us, you mm-hmm. know, would 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 grieve over the heart condition that says, "I wish he would have shot more." I mean, that's yeah. that is. Um, you know, somebody might dismiss that and say, like, you know, that was someone just popping off on social media. And if there weren't mountains and mountains and mountains of, of other similar expressions these days, then maybe you could dismiss that. But, like, that, that really brings it home, that that's, yeah. that's the condition that we're in. Thanks for letting me interrupt for a moment. I uh, hope you're enjoying the conversation. We'll be right back with more of it in just a bit. But first, I want to tell you, I've written a novel. The novel is called Joseph Comes to Town, and the subtitle is When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. It's a story about a megachurch pastor who is sort of the right-wing evangelical leader in his town who suddenly sees his world start to unravel a little bit when this mysterious sort of Jesus-type character comes in and starts asking questions. And the resolution of it's really sweet and powerful. And it talks about a different way to look at things than the going evangelical mindset in America today. I would love for you to have a copy. So let me tell you how you can get it. If you go to my website at npepodcast.com, not only can you find out information about the novel and a whole bunch of other cool resources there, you also can join our NPE Patreon community. Now, Patreon is a website for creatives where people can help support what creative people do. We're being creative and creating new ways of thinking here at NPE, and so we want you to be part of that community. So if you go to the npepodcast.com website, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a link. It says, join our Patreon page. If you click that link, you'll go to the Patreon page, and for as little as $5.99 a month, 
I've got a special deal for you right now. That's good through September 12th of 2020. You could be listening to this podcast later. But for a week here, if you'll join us at $5.99 a month, I'll send you an autographed copy of my book, if you request it. If you join us at $12.99 or above, you automatically get the autographed book. When you join our Patreon community, you're going to be invited to our private Facebook page. You're going to get access to the audiobook of my novel, the audiobook series, which is being produced and coming out over the next few months. And you'll be a part of the conversation of the NP community, and we want to do some really fun things together here in the coming months. Most of all, you'll be helping support us financially in what we do here at the Nonpartisan Evangelical. We recently brought on a consultant to help with our social media management. It's just taking way too much of my time. So I'd love for you to help. Go to the website, npepodcast.com, upper right corner, click that Patreon button, and it'll take you there and tell you all the way to walk through it. It starts as little as $5.99 a month, and usually at $5.99, you just get to join our group. But now at $5.99, I'll throw in the autographed copy of my book. But you got to do it this week before September 12th, 2020. NPEPodcast.com. Click the Patreon button in the upper right corner. And you can help spread the message of the nonpartisan evangelical to tell the world God is not mad at you. All right, now back to the conversation with Paul and Ashley. Here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast, NPEPodcast.com. Talk a little bit about, like you were saying last night, you know, this feels like the same way that Jesus felt um, before, he, as you know, as he looked out over Jerusalem, before he um, rode into Jerusalem and ultimately then was, was crucified. Um, so talk a little bit about that, because you were saying some things last night that I had not fully understood, like the condition Jesus was in. When he, like when I read my NIV, which is a version of the Bible that's <laughs> like kind of standard evangelical, like 80s kid going to church camp, that's what we did. We read the NIV. And um, the way that moment is expressed and the way I always remember it, it's, it's actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's just like thinking about how Jesus felt as he looked out over Jerusalem um, but it always seemed like a neat and tidy and like, oh, I would have gathered you as like a mother hen. Like it seemed, it seemed really quaint. And then last night you were saying like, no, actually the, the text expresses something different. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting. So this is in uh, the chap- Matthew chapter 23. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, which is my favorite version of the Bible uh, right now, which will probably change someday along the way. But so Matthew 23, 37, what's happening is, is Jesus is going into Jerusalem and, and we believe he has some understanding that he'll never leave Jerusalem again. This is, this is it. He's going to his, the culmination of his ministry and it's going to culminate in these, this religious system killing him and having him executed. And so as he's coming into the city, there are people shouting, here he comes. They think he's the Messiah coming. The Pharisees say, hey, tell your people not to yell this out. That's that's heresy. And he says, no, if they don't cry out, the rocks are going to cry out. So all of that is happening. And he comes over the hill and he sees Jerusalem. And, and so Matthew 23, 37, this is Jesus talking. He says, oh, Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hens, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Um, and so I think I need to go back a few verses. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong passage. Anyway, it's, so and in another version, uh, another part of the story in the Bible, we're told that he came over and saw the city and wept. And so, yeah, like you're saying, the story we read is Jesus came over Jerusalem and he's like, oh, man, Jerusalem, we could have done something here. But I uh, know. Well, but if you really dig into what that passage is saying, the version of the word wept, how we interpret it as wept is actually a word in the original Greek in which it was written, said that he was wailing uh, wailing and pain. In other parts of the Bible, the same word is used to describe these people, these women who are mourning the death of a young girl, and they were mourning to such a degree that Jesus had to like clear them out of the room so he could heal the girl. He like had to get rid of these mourners because their wailing was so distracting that he couldn't do the healing. So it wasn't just he had a tear like, you know, you know, like the old commercial where people threw the trash and the Native American was 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 wiping a tear. <laughs> this is throwback. This is this is Jesus. Yeah. Uh, another place when Peter denied Jesus three times, it says he went out and wept bitterly. Same word. This is Jesus. Uh, one one commentator I saw on it said it's a word that says as to be sick to your stomach. You're so grieved with something that you're sick to your stomach. So Jesus was looking over Jerusalem. And I think his sense was like I'm saying today. Okay, Jerusalem, there's no hope now. Your fate is sealed, and we're going to go forward to this end of, of your human condition. And so, oh, I'm just so heartbroken for that. And that's sort of what I think I'm feeling over our culture is like, you know, we kind of had chances to make different decisions along the way. But what we're seeing now, the division, the, the really deep vitriol against each other is just a natural conclusion of where our humanity is going. And it actually is going to be a part of God's merciful work to get our attention back again and turn our eyes back to him. So, But it's painful in yeah, the process. It was right. very painful for Jesus. He was some, some one commentator. I'm sorry to interrupt you, babe, but it, it ultimately said like Jesus was almost to the point of vomiting. He was so... It was Upset. like retching. He was like retching. and retching. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a not pleasant thought. <laughs> I mean, it makes me actually really just want to sit here and bawl my eyes out. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so this is real. And I think we, I think we, I think it's important to put words on this, you know, and that, that's what you're doing. I mean, quite literally, you are putting words out there saying, hey, everybody look at this and see like, um, you know, look at the choices we're making. Look at look at how far we have walked away from um, the God of the Bible and what's expressed by the life of Jesus and how He sees us and how and whatever. So, uh, so, so, yeah. I mean, I guess I'd be curious what people who are watching may think. Like, is this a time of grieving? Like, how and how do you how do you practically process those feelings? Um, you know, what what all are we supposed to be taking on? Um, as people who are saying yes to what God wants and who are just like maybe a little unsure of what that might look like, but leaning in and just saying, oh God, please do do your work here. Yeah. Get us through this. Do your work here. And don't let us just put the Band-Aid on, but really allow all this to come up so we can make different choices. So 
I, I mean, that's a that's long a good way, way of, to look at it. Yeah, it's a long way of saying like I don't know. Maybe those are people who would say like, yeah, they're nonpartisan or their 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 religion isn't their their faith isn't tied to politics. Maybe is another way to say. Yeah. It. So practically speaking, what all are we supposed to be carrying in this? Mm. How do we do that? Practically speaking, that's interesting. I, I mean, I'm I'm sure some of you have lost relationships through this. I've I've heard from a lot of people that that. Um, they lose relationships through that. And certainly that's been our experience. We've lost relationship. But so I guess one of the things I want to say in encouragement is like, don't let that take you away from hungering for truth and going after, after what's truly God's heart for the season. And whenever it starts to interrupt our relationships, and I hear people a lot say, well, we just can't talk about politics around the Thanksgiving table at all. And so whatever it takes to cope with that. But so I think we're, we're we are really supposed to feel the pain for one. Mm-hmm. Don't don't try to say, oh, you know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do or some other platitude, like really feel the pain of losing relationship and and, and say that that really does hurt. Because I think if we try to cover it up and not be real and present with the pain, then we make choices to not really go after what we're doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that answering your question at all? I'm sort do, of I'm doing real time processing here. Yeah, so. it it does, and I think um, you know people have different ways of quote feeling the pain. I will say for me, just to again try to make this really practical. Um, oh, I you know I actually like to write things down. Yeah. So I'll, I'll journal and, um, and I will pretend like, well, I'm not pretending I am actually like, it's like, kind of like praying for me. You know, I yeah. imagine that what I'm writing, I am, I'm actually saying it directly to God. And, um, and then I just kind of pay attention to what comes up in that process. So I think that's one just really helpful thing is like, you know, write things down because you kind of got to get it up and out. And, um, for me, when I do that, I notice that usually my first, and I kind of do a little bit of stream of consciousness around whatever I'm trying to bring to the table in that moment. And I'll notice that like, kind of, um, it's like a, you know, a rusty pipe that you gotta like flush it before the water starts running clean. It takes me a little while to get really honest about what I'm thinking and feeling. And so normally it starts off with like, this is kind of what I think you want to hear from me, God, or this is like sort of the polite way to say this, or this is the politically correct way. Or like, I feel like someone's looking over my shoulder. And so I'm making sure I say this the right way. And once I get that out of my system, then I can just kind of let it, let it flow. Um, and so for me, that's a really important part of processing pain. Yeah. And, yeah. and then there's just to me, like an exercise of prayer that is just like, Oh God, let me see this situation the way you see it. And let me have your heart for this moment instead of like my own. Um, so yeah. if that's helpful for, for people who are watching, like, and others may have other suggestions on like, what do you do to make sure you're not holding on to it such that it affects your behavior and your outlook? Cause that's not healthy either. And let's be real. None of us are God. None of us can actually, um, we, we cannot manipulate and bring about the kind of, heart change that we're asking God to let us move to, right. all we can do is just remain in a posture of yes for that, yeah. you know? So keeping that pipe running clear water. Yeah, that's one of the conclusions I've come to in this season is I, I'm not going to be able to talk people out of this mindset. It, It's like the the religious people of the day when Jesus was on earth that he said, 
they just don't have eyes to see or ears to hear anymore. It's a common curse in the Bible that uh, when we see Pharaoh, like he, he it first starts saying Pharaoh hardened his heart when those plagues started coming. And then at the end, it's saying God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So it's it's almost like God lets us go to the full conclusion of where we are. So I don't feel like I can talk people out of that because they just we're we're speaking from just sort of two different planets. And so I have to be okay with that. But what I really love about you, what you said as a practicality there is you just took, you took the psalmist model. Yeah. That's really what the psalms are, is like they're sort of this formal start of, oh, Lord in heaven, you know, yada, 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 whatever. And then there's just this full-on vomiting on the table grievance of I'm hurting so bad, and where are you, God, and why don't you do something, and why don't you intervene, why are my enemies flourishing and I'm failing? And, you know, just those real human gritty emotions. And I think those are so good. And then the Psalms always inevitably end with, but you're God. And where else am I going to go but to you? And so I, I think that's a really healthy exercise you're yeah. talking about there. I, you know, thank you. I, um, the other thing I would say is, I, you know, we find ourselves in this, like, we are constantly considering national like you know what's going on with national politics and religion and it feels so big and then of course if you're talking about the whole country you're talking about the whole world because of the right you know our country's sort of outsized influence on the rest of the world so it just feels so global for a second um we kind of process this stuff we try to align our hearts differently and you know do whatever whatever we just said right like talk through it write it out all of that and then I think another thing for us that's really practical is like, how are we showing up in our own local community? Yeah, that's and good. so whether that is your church family or your employment situation or, you know, whatever, for us being really active in economic and community development in the greater Fresno region, it like being able to show up differently to a table that um, has a diverse group of people there and be like, hey, you know, God doesn't call us to be like the angry white Christians that are like, you know, pounding the table for law and order. We actually get to show a different facet of, actually, I shouldn't, that's not even a facet of God at all. I shouldn't say a different facet of God. I don't think that's God. <laughs> I don't think that's all. God's voice so at all. In the rewind, season. edit that out. But, um, you know, I think that's another practical thing for us is whatever community we find ourselves in, or you find yourself in being a different voice. And, um, and just kind of stopping conversations cold that, you know, with people who may want to pull on that thread of like the aggrieved, angry, white Christian voice, like, oh, you know, everything's going to go to hell if we don't, you know, reelect a certain candidate, like be the person who's like, wow, I really see things differently, Yeah, you know? And so that's another just kind of practical step. I think that's a big part of what we're trying to do is, um, You had a friend that sent you a text this week that's from a community community of color, if we can say that in our and and he said, I'm just I'm so hurting yeah. from watching what right. my Christian friends are saying on Facebook about right. and this was directly about Kenosha and about uh, uh Jacob, Jacob Blake. Blake. Yeah. And and maybe that's some of what we're trying to reflect to our white evangelical Christian friends. Is, is maybe you don't have proximity to some of the people that we've been privileged to get to know in this season that then text us and say, oh, I'm hurting so badly yeah. from what I'm reading. Maybe you don't understand that what, 
when you put some of those things on Facebook, you 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 are our brothers and sisters from our black brown. Uh, what's the word we learned? This BIPOC. Yeah. <laughs> I love learning these terms, um, which means black indigenous people of color. We learned this week um, how much we're hurting their hearts when we do some of these things, and and that should that matter to us if Jesus said. You've heard it say, don't murder. But I say, if you call your brother a fool, you're the one that deserves hellfire. And is there a chance that he would be saying to us today, you can be 100% right on your ideological stance. But if you don't care that you're hurting your brother's heart or your sister's heart, then you're 100% wrong, 100% wrong. And, and that's kind of what we're trying to say is, is our ideological, theological purity become more important to us than standing with real human beings around us who are hurting. And, and I think the answer is yes. And so I, I love to be able to interact with, have proximity with people who believe differently than me. And it, it comes back to one other point I'd like to make, like one of the, uh, Leticia, one of our friends, she commented on, on our, on our live here. And she said, I've lost so much faith in God right now because of this Republican stance of the yeah. church. Yeah. And so, I want to say to Letitia, that's not God. Yes, there are earthly representations of God, but that's not who God is. Don't lose faith in God. God is still God. God is this amazing creator of the universe that, that says you get to have personal connection with all of the universe and with all people and not have to be exclusive of any of those. So don't, don't lose faith in God just because humanity is not representing him well. And to our evangelical friends, I say, please hear what Letitia is saying. She's, her faith is going away because of this ideology of the white evangelical right-wing church. We are hurting the gospel. That's the message we're trying to put out there on an ongoing basis. We're not saying you have to vote this way or the other. We certainly have strong feelings about that, but you don't even have to change that. It's just, what is the heart that you're coming from? And does it matter if even your right words are hurting people around you? Yeah, that's, um, I appreciate Leticia for sharing that. And, um, and honestly, I can totally understand it's it. I, I have to navigate this jungled path too. Like as a person who, you know, has, um, been a Christian since I was four years old and had a very, active have had a very active faith you know a lot of prayer a lot of just like you know whatever live, living that life i will tell you going into prayer these days it is harder it is harder because i'm thinking through like whoa you know people in my own you know broadly speaking faith community what they're representing right now like i don't i don't i don't align with that that hurts my heart so how do it's it's a huge thing to navigate around and, you know, I would like to think I'm you know, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a preacher's wife. Like, I should be able to just be like, yeah, no, you know, I can see the difference between. And it's hard for me. So um, so I think this is very real. And I think this is part of why we just want to, like, come together regularly. And the nonpartisan evangelical for us is like, hey, let's at least put a flag out that here's a place where we hope people would gather and um, and feel safe and be able to come into relationship with one another and continue to seek God together in a way that is different from maybe what we're seeing in the white political right 
evangelical church. So, you know, not that we expect that we're the only, I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people I think across the country and world, thankfully, that are, they're doing the same thing. So thank God, find your gathering place. If this is it for you, we welcome you. Um, and maybe if you're just watching this for the first time, you're like, I've never even heard of this thing. It's npepodcast.com. That's nonpartisan evangelical podcast, npepodcast.com. There's an insider's email list you can sign up for. And, you know, there's just a bunch of different ways we're trying to create space for people to have these conversations and make it safe. The last thing I want to like just throw out there and then I'm mindful of time. Yeah. Um, and this is like a really big topic. So I don't know how in the world we're going to get through it, but we have, we've talked a lot together about what we call like a corporate repentance, you know, and, um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Mm -hmm. So, and turn from their wicked ways, their wicked ways, which is the language of, you know, turn around, do something different. It is repentance. Like go the other way. That is repentance. Okay. So, I'm asking myself, what, how would we even know if we're in a season of corporate repentance? Because I don't necessarily think that that means every church in America is having, you know, Sunday mornings, everyone just on their face crying out and repenting. Although that would be pretty amazing. But I imagine that it, that season of repentance could be going on, like just in individual people's homes and lives. And so I want to understand that better. And I want to be aware of like, God, how will, like, how will we know? And what are we, how, how will we know if we're in that season? Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? I have. And, and, and I would say there have been multitudes of church services where white pastors have brought black pastors on the platform and repented, you know, said, I'm sorry, conferences. Um, I think saying I'm sorry doesn't cut it anymore. Uh, like you say, Turn from their wicked ways. Repentance means to change your mind and change your direction. So I, I don't think words are going to do it. Uh, I think it starts with that, that verse, Second Chronicles 7.14. We quote it all the time in the evangelical church. So it starts with humbling yourself. So how do you humble yourself? How did Christ demonstrate being humble? It's you lay down your rights. That, that's, that's what my problem is with all of this. We're going to open while everybody else is asking us to stay closed. That's, that's not a humble spirit. That's, that's not the meek shall inherit the earth and the poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I'm not going to fight for my rights. I'm going to lay down my rights. I'm going to say, if, if somebody forces you to go a mile, go two. So humbling yourself first starts to say, I'm going to lay down my rights and my beliefs to lean into the messiness of what's going on around me. So I think that's where it starts. And and the way a pastor can start it from the platform is to say, I've been wrong and I'm not going to live this way anymore, but then demonstrate it and do something different. Um, And that's going to mean sometimes you're going to say, Ooh, I see that happening. That doesn't look good. And you say, but I'm going to lean into it rather than rail against it. So to me, that's what corporate repentance will look like when we start to see churches laying down their rights and saying, for the good of the corporate community, I'll lay down my right. And so some of that is we have to determine if God wants us to do that, because there's actually a theology that I'm running out, running into quite a bit out there, which is, Paul, the gospel is just about getting individuals to go to heaven. 
Who, who cares what happens to the city? Who cares what happens to the state? They're in the way, but we have to look at that, that Jesus was looking at Jerusalem saying, Oh, Jerusalem. He didn't say, if I could just get a few more of you to heaven, that'll be great. And I'll have done my job. He said he grieved over the corporate spirit that had gone awry and said, oh, I wished I could change this whole thing, but I'm just not going to be able to now. And I think that's what God wants us to say is like, oh, I wish my city of Fresno, everybody could feel a, a piece of justice and hope and opportunity. And my job is to fight to see that happen, our job as a household. So does that, that's kind of how I see repentance as we start actually changing how we interact with people on social media. We start laying down our rights and publicly saying, I'm going to stand with people that look like maybe I shouldn't stand with, even if it costs me my reputation. To me, that's what repentance begins to look like. Yeah, I heard two things in what you just said that I think are really key. The first is the word sacrifice. Mm. And you said sacrifice your rights. And in a country like ours, um, that is everything that we pride ourselves Mm -hmm. in is our rights. And and I want to say, like, we're not we're not talking necessarily about the governmental side of this. We are talking about the attitude of um, what sacrifice would you make for other people in your community, neighborhood, city, state, nation? Like, like, are you, well, uh, now I'm starting to go into my democracy <laughs> sermon, which, I, <laughs> which is a great one. I need to develop it a I little bit more. I keep thinking we got to talk about that at some point. But anyway, time. like just that. So I think as people are maybe hearing this this week, um, maybe just think about that. Like, God, what is what does sacrifice look like? What does sacrifice look like for me? And what where where is my attitude? When we say heart, really, we mean attitude. Where is my attitude um, falling right now? And am I willing to walk in an attitude of submission? Okay, the S word that no American likes to hear, um, but we as believers in Jesus, like what he is i mean like he modeled submission and sacrifice like literally to to the death and so you know do we have that attitude towards people around us or are we taking up arms to make sure people i have a right or are we saying no actually i'm laying it down because i want to listen i want to hear what i've missed in the past um and i want health and healing to come and that Mm -hmm. means i have to let go of some stuff to even come into a space to understand what the injustice or the infraction is in the first place. So I heard sacrifice and what you said. And then the other thing I heard was um, really calling attention to the fact that our evangelicalism now today in our country looks like we, except for, you know, voting a certain way to ensure, you know, Supreme Court justices, we turn a blind eye to the condition of society and all we are to think about, talk about, be concerned about is whether or not we can get another notch in our belt of someone praying the sinner's prayer. Mm. And so we've turned to this hyper, hyper, like individual, and um, we have we have turned our back to the collective, which, as you said, Jesus was always dealing with the collective and also ministering to the individual. Right. He was That's like good. doing both. And so, um, so that's something to think about too. Like, does our faith prevent us from seeing the collective society community whatever and if so that's worth revisiting that's worth evaluating and like kind of going like oh maybe there's more to it and i know like um 
you know, I once, I once heard that a definition of leadership is saying no to your friends at a pace that they can that they can receive. Mm. And so, for people who are in leadership in evangelical communities, um, wow, we understand what it's what that's like. First of all, and um, recognize that like you may not be able to go out tomorrow and just be like, that's it, we're changing everything, and you know, um, although God may call you to do that, but. Um, but I guess we're just trying to put it out there like, hey, have we created churches in our country that the only thing we care about is the altar call and whether or not someone, you know, said the right. sinner's prayer that week? Like, I don't know. That's a definitely a, huh, yeah. let's think about that. Well, and, and what does our engagement in civil government look like? Um, sometimes it looks like we believe our responsibility for humanity is winning them to an eternal salvation. And from conception to the cutting of the umbilical cord, that we're very concerned about. And then we're done. Our responsibility for any other responsibility for another human being, we call socialism. And we shut it down by saying, well, that's socialism. And, and they're making their own choices. And so I think we ha- just have to broaden our view of how how God looked at civil engagement, how Jesus demonstrated that in his walk of life. At, at, for one story that I always love is, is there was a temple tax and, and Jesus asked Peter, who was with him, his friend there, he's like, hey, do I owe this tax? And as a rabbi, the answer was no, you don't owe, you don't owe the tax. And, and so Jesus' response wasn't like, well, then we're not going to pay the tax, gosh darn it, because taxes are wrong and evil and we're going to take a stand right now. No, his answer was, tell you what, Peter, you go fishing, you're going to catch a fish, and there's going to be money inside the fish to pay the tax. And we're going to pay the tax because I don't want to offend people and have that interrupt my ministry. That offense of fighting for my rights on the tax is not worth it to interrupt my ability to minister to the corporate society and to the individuals in there. So again, it comes down to what does it look like to lay down my rights, to lay down my weapons, to to trust, you know, just trust in God and not horses and chariots and rights and political battles, but to say, hey, what if the way I've been believing ideologically is getting in the way of my ability to see things from a more godly perspective in the season and being willing to lay down what we've always known to be true in order to be able to have deeper relationships and covenant relationships with the community around us. I think maybe just to close on this and then um, and then we'll pray for um, for folks who are watching. But um, if you go to npepodcast.com, you'll see the big head- headline on the splash page are these words. Is God a conservative Republican? <laughs> and, and all my boxes over and there. We, I get such a kick out of that because if you're being honest... And if you're in the evangelical church, you know that the inside voice is like, oh, yeah, we kind of like, of course, God's a conservative Republican. And then you go, whoa, wait a second. Did I just say that? Did I just think that? And um, really what we're trying to do here, the, the nonpartisan in the nonpartisan evangelical is we're trying to untangle. We're not saying vote this way or that way. I mean, that's that's a totally different conversation. What we'll we have are, that conversation with you if you want. Right. <laughs> Depending on your census track and, you know, your political district, it may not matter what you vote, but um, uh, with the Electoral College. But anyway, um, 
my point is this, like we have to detangle. If you, if you want to vote conservative, vote conservative, but reevaluate if you think you're doing it because God told you to, or God directs you to like, that's not it. That's not it. And I appreciate some of the comments I'm seeing even um, just now about how like our hope isn't in political parties. That's right. Our hope is not in political parties, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and unfortunately we have now for almost 50 years on the center right side of the political spectrum, we have entangled, we have invoked and we have represented that we do what we do because this is what God wants. And we are, we have strayed so far from, um, who we see God to be in the Bible as manifested by the life of Jesus. And so mm-hmm. anyway, detangle, let's decouple, detangle, start to experience like, oh, okay, we have freedom to think differently about our politics. You may still ultimately conclude you're going to vote the same way. Fine. Um, but but don't don't represent that that is a, a you know, the 11th commandment, yeah. you know, that thou shalt vote center right <laughs> or conservative. Like what in the heck? That's nuts. Yeah. And and ask God, you know, like show me if if I'm missing it a little bit, if this crazy nonpartisan evangelical thing has any truth to it, God. Just kinda show that to me. I do have a little bit of hope I could share in the middle of yep. it all. That would be a good way to end. So in the middle of calamity for his culture, the this writer Jeremiah, a prophet, if you will, um, he was saying, Hey, our country is going to be overtaken by our enemies. Our culture and our religion is going to be ransacked. It's all going to be overturned. Any prophet telling you different, differently is wrong. Um, here comes our enemies and they're going to take us all away. And in the middle of all of that, as he's writing all of that, there's this one verse. And this is probably the most popular verse in the Bible other than John 3.16, perhaps, that people quote for themselves more often than anything else. And it says this in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So in the middle of saying, hey, everything's going wrong. Everything's going to get worse. Don't listen to any preacher out there telling you otherwise. But know this, God has a great plan for all of you corporately. And that plan is to give you a future and a hope. So that means there's a purpose. There is something going to happen on the other side of all of this. And you can have great hope in the middle of it. So that's why today I say I don't necessarily have a hope that things are going to change now. But I do have a hope that there's a post this world that is actually in line with where God wants us to go. And maybe we wouldn't get there without going through some of this in the present. So I guess I do have some hope today after all. Yeah. And when you say, um, you know, you're, you're not you're not saying like, oh, it's eternal life. You mean, we, we have right. hope. we have an expectation that we will see reform, that we will see transformation in, like in our lifetimes. Yeah. Like we, we believe we work towards that. We believe for that. We pray for that um, for now. And we, you know, I'll just put it in my own words. Um, I think what we're going through right now, as painful as it is, I do think it's God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Because would you rather have all this stuff just under the surface, just keeping a wrap on it, just kind of holding it, holding it in, which we have done for 50 plus years or 400 years, yeah. depending on which how far back you want to go. Um, or is it better that all of this come to the surface so that we can really see the the scope, the depth and the breadth of um, what's going on? 
so that we can then say, okay, God, this is not what we want. We are sorry for this. We want to do things differently and actually turn a corner and think about the next 50, 100, 200, 400 years. Like that to me is hopeful. And that's, you know, that's what we're, we're believing for. That's good. So, and, and you're not saying like, God brought COVID to make this happen or God brought this political system. That he didn't, that, none of that. No. But allowing sort of our hearts to be revealed and all this ugly stuff to come to the surface. That, yeah. I, I think God's way into yeah, that. Yeah, I definitely think he's using all this yeah. stuff to help us really see. So, um, mm. I'm really distracted by the comments today. I love everybody commenting, but I like, I feel like, I need to respond. I need to respond. It's uh, it's it's a little distracting. I'm kind of wondering if we need to turn off the comments and everything in the um, future. <laughs> well, let me just say, I, there's a reason why I didn't wear glasses today. I can't see anything, <laughs> so I have no idea what's on that screen. And the phone's too far away, so I can't see. So that you either. you see that comments are coming through. But I you see can't like see the them. names of people, and I can see if I squint, I can see like little things here and there, but. Yeah, and so people keep saying to me like, "Oh, why do you call yourself nonpartisan?" and and all of these Is that things. today's thread? Um, there, I think there's something like that on yeah. there. But in general, that's yeah. sort of the thing. And, and you know, I, I, and at the end of the day, we're talking to our people. And that's, that's who we're called to talk to and say, um, hey, let's examine ourselves before you say other side fix, you, fix yourself or all of those things. We're saying to, the, to our people who are the white evangelicals, hey, let's look at us before we start telling other people how to change that, that I think we are at the center of the divide in, uh, in our culture right now. And God is calling us to examine ourselves before we start trying to tell somebody else. So that's why I, you know, that's why we say, is God really a Republican? Because pretty much everybody we know has believed most of our life yeah. that you kind of have to be Republican to be godly. We had that one moment where we had that one Democrat who was a president that was a Christian, Jimmy something, Carter, something like that. But he was a fake Christian. But then we ended up not yeah. liking him yeah. because he was, yeah, he's kind of wimpy. He was wimpy. a Democrat. He was a Democrat and he was a little wimpy. And so you know, we want our heroes to be powerful. I'm telling you, if any of y'all want to open that can of worms, <laughs> um, then you're going to have to just sit back for a second because I will tell you on countless occasions as I have had conversations with people in a political environment who were center right. And I asked them, like, gosh, you know, do you do you pray for Democrats in California, for example? Do you do you pray blessing over them? Do you pray revival over, you know, both political parties? Like where where are you in terms of like how you think about people on the opposite um, political side of the aisle? And I have been rebuked, I have been reviled, I have been um, you know, Crucified. Sorry, too strong a word. Yeah. Not crucified. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe <laughs> a little, a little over the bit. Top. Um, verbally only, you know, is like sort of the cuss word in the Republican Party is to be called a rhino, like a Republican in name only, you know. So I have been cursed um, because I have suggested that people can love God um, across the political spectrum. And that, you know, if you're active on the other side of the political aisle, you know, that can be your expression of faith is like, Boy, you really want to see change in your community. You get politically active, and and, and are we, the, you know, are Republicans the only ones who can who can have faith and claim God in the work that they do? And the truth of the matter is, if you're really being honest and you're in the political world, you know that that we are we are not supposed to see God in people across the political aisle. You know that. You know that's true. So don't act like it's not. That is the truth of how we represent faith in politics on the right side of the aisle. So. 
when we say, hey, how about we be nonpartisan about our evangelical faith? That's what we're calling out. We're saying decouple those things. It's an unholy alliance to marry God to your political party. It's unholy. Knock it off. So nonpartisan evangelical is the way we choose to express that. Absolutely. So deal with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think. And if if that... If that tweaks you a little bit, I get it. And and maybe that's just an opportunity to say, okay, God, why is that tweaking me a little bit? <laughs> and, and start to work that through. Not not that I have everything right and am above uh, questioning, but trust me, I've wrestled with that question for a long time. I'm not changing because uh, any individual comes up and says, hey, change that. Um, because we we thought it through and prayed over it a lot and know, know what we're trying to do. And uh, so again, evangelicals, if we will seek God, pray, seek God, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, humble ourselves. And I got that all out of order in that verse. Turn from our wicked ways. It says, then, then, that then is a really important word. If you do all of these things, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And uh, so I think that's the call on us. And we should say to ourselves first, is that us? Do we need to do those things and have we done it well? And so hopefully we gave some practical tips to be able to do that. Yeah, hope so. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully we did also share some hope. So um, in, a, in a hopeless moment, we're sharing some hope. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we should pray and we should wrap it up because it's Saturday. You have other things to do yeah. and um, want to enjoy your weekend, your family time. and um, We were going to talk a little bit about Patreon. Yes. Oh, yes, that's right. Do you want to do that right now? Okay, well... Before we pray? Um, yeah, we can do that. Okay. Just check right. the time. Okay, so here's here's the plan. Um, we would like to hire a, a person who can help Paul with just social media content, posting, some of the technical editing that he has to do, spends a lot of time on, um, really to free him up to do more of the writing and just the kind of creative work around nonpartisan evangelical and... Um, and it's about $250 a month. And so um, we're hoping to raise commitments for about $250 a month. You can go to Patreon and sign up $5.99 a month, $12.99 a month. You could sign up for two. So we need to tell them how to get there. You have to do that because I find it a little confusing. So you go to npepodcast.com. Okay. That's the website, npepodcast.com. When you get there, in the upper right corner is this little button that says Patreon or join our Patreon community or something like that. But it says Patreon in it. Click on that. It'll take you right to the website and tells you exactly how to sign it. So Does that make sense? Yes. That's okay. a lot easier. Thank you. I was thinking you have to go find it on Patreon, no, no. but you don't. Just go, go, to, to, go to our website and get it from there. Click on Patreon. You can sign up. There are a couple different levels. $5.99 is the lowest. I think $12.99. And then there's another. If you wanted to do a different amount, you could do $8.99 or whatever it is. Um, but we're hoping that folks can rally and help us raise that $250 a month. We will put that money towards um, just hiring a small business owner who can help us pump a out a social lot more media content. manager. Content. We're calling it, yeah. Yes, the SMM, the social Be- media manager. Because to get to break through and get people to see what you do on social media, I'm kind of figuring it out. But to do it really well, will take about three days a week of my work time, <laughs> and so then that sort of precludes doing any of the other stuff. So yeah. we. We've determined we need this help. And you do actually have a full-time job. I do. I actually do (laughs) coaching as well. You try to squeeze in, in addition to uh, sharing this message through social media. So 
So thanks everyone. I can't wait to put my glasses on and read all the comments. <laughs> Although I guess there may be some I don't want to read. But no, I, will, I think they're, they're all will, pretty good. I will read them all. Yeah. Um, and really appreciate you guys engaging with us this morning. And, you know, this is what it's about. And, you know, as Paul said, we don't necessarily think we always get it right. Um, but we are willing to be in this conversation. And it's hard. And, um, you know, we want to submit our hearts and our thinking, our attitudes um, to God and just say, Lord, come and do come and come and do what you want to do in our midst and in the midst of our communities. Our, our son is standing right here. Son, you, you can make it through without people seeing you if you want to come on through. Um. <laughs> By the way, we have managed to find another corner of our house that we have not used for a backdrop. So, you know, in that's right. This we're every weekend we're like, oh gosh, where are we going to shoot today? Because we're trying to trying to make it interesting and creative for all of you. Yeah. Um, so this is like the opposite side of where we normally sit. And uh, Ooh, little... let me throw out one more thing because we have so we have this as a prop back here to make it look like a studio and to cover the blank wall the microphone. And so one of the things if you join Patreon is you can hear, I started uh, recording my novel, Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong, uh, recording it as an audiobook series. Then COVID got in the way of it all. And so I'm going to be taking that mic this week and starting to read further. So you can hear like the first third of the book. If you join our Patreon site, you get the audio version of it in segments. And I'm going to start going forward with this microphone right here this week, and we'll uh, see over the next uh, couple of months if we can't get through the rest of the book and you get it by audio. So uh, feel free to go to Patreon, and if you get that, you get to hear the audiobook series as well. There you go. It's a symbol of your commitment to finish reading. Um, so it's a prop, online. but we actually use it. It actually is an important part of the process. There you go. All right. We should pray. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. You want to start with me? Up. No, go ahead. All right, what to pray today? So, my prayer is that God will give us the ability to see that there is a future ahead that's different than the present, a future on this earth that, that the promise of Jesus, of the Bible, was that he came to bring a life that was not condemning, John 3.17, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to reconcile it and to bring a life abundant, a life to the full. As the psalmist said, I would grieve if I didn't think I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so I declare there will be a goodness that you see in your household in the land of the living on this earth. And so I just pray that hope and that peace over you. And to our friends that are hurting in this season because of the racial uh, division in our country and the response of some of the white evangelicals to it. I just pray that their heart would be salved and given peace, that they're able to grieve the pain of what they're hearing, and that those of us from uh, around them will sit and mourn with them. Help us to mourn with those who mourn rather than fighting for our rights, God. Give us breakthrough, eyes to see and ears to hear where your heart is in the season, and then peace in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah God, I agree with that prayer. And Lord, I lift up the people who are um, joining this morning or who catch this at some other time, Lord, just anyone who um, turns their ear to this podcast 
Um, Lord, I just pray for each one of those people. I pray, God, that you would reveal your heart for them. I pray that you would meet them in the moment, even right now, the circumstances people find themselves in. God, I pray this weekend would be a time where um, people just experience you in like ways that are unique to them. But I thank you that you are a God that shows up and connects with us in ways that we can individually hear and receive. So I bless, I bless everybody who gathers around this table, this large table of the nonpartisan evangelical. We just trust you and we, um, we release this table to you, God. And um, we just pray that, that people would find you here um, and that they would, they would understand your passionate commitment, your passionate pursuit of relationship with all of us. And that that would come through loudly and clearly. And that would break through the noise, the political fodder, um, the, the proverbial smoke from all of us taking aim and firing at one another. God, that, that your love would, would break through all of that. And so we just look to you and we say, we, we have our hope in you, God. We ask that you would have mercy on us as we move through this season as a community and as a nation. Yeah. And I pray in Jesus' name. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. God awesome. bless you guys. Go to the website, mppodcast.com. Great stuff on there. Had a great conversation with a Muslim the other day. If you ever want to learn anything about how Muslims and Christians in America can live together, check that one out. And then hit that Patreon button and join us in helping sort of support this social media management position. There you go. All right, you guys. You guys Have are awesome. Week. Have a great weekend. weekend. See you next week. Bye.